Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Long Live Hollywood podcast. My name is Aaron. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. God bless you. Ah, I gotta say, every single Subway restaurant in my area where I live is god-awful. God-awful. The only Subway that I actually like is the one down the street from my job. Friendly staff, beautiful-looking restaurant. It's clean. It's sanitized. Fresh bread. Everything is ready to go. The girl who makes my sandwich, she's, I love talking to her. She makes a beautiful sandwich. It's delicious. It's filling. It's the Lamb of God. But the other locations make some of the most trash sandwiches. They don't even have all their toppings. How are you out of pickles? I know that's not hard to believe, but it's such a it's such a deal breaker. Out of all the toppings to be out of, you're out of pickles? I gotta have pickles on my sandwich. I can go I can go without onions or or uh yellow peppers. But pickles? This place needs to be shut down. Shut it down. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now we got that out of the way. Let's get to the main course. What you came for. So I finally got around to watching Harry Potter 20th anniversary reunion special on HBO Max. And it was amazing. It was so perfect. Everyone in this reunion looks great. Everyone looks healthy. And um, the younger actors you know, your Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grant, Emma Watson, so on and so forth. They're all in their 30s. They're all in their 30s, but they don't look a day over 26. Everyone looks healthy. That's what I like to see. I love the way that it opened. It opened kind of like a movie. All of the actors are getting their owl letters, telling them, uh, saying that they're invited to Hogwarts, kind of like in Sorcerer's Stone. We do get some interviews from J.K. Rowling. However, they are past interviews from 2019. They aren't recent. J.K. did announce that she wasn't going to be a part of this reunion. And I think that's for obvious reasons, everything she said and all the drama. And I think it's a shame because she literally put herself in this position. J.K. Rowling is kind of a toxic name right now. And now she's in a position that she can't even attend her own Harry Potter reunion without looking weird, without looking out of place. She put herself in this position and and this reunion is so beautiful. They did a really good job on it. And having J.K. Rowling would have been the cherry on top. It's such a shame. Daniel Radcliffe has a conversation with Chris Columbus, one of the first conversations in this reunion. Chris Columbus directed the first two Harry Potter films, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets. Outside of Harry Potter, he did a, he did a few other things, such as Home Alone 1 and 2 and Mrs. Doubtfire, if I'm not mistaken. Chris was talking about how hard it was to find the right actor, the right kid to play Harry Potter. All the other actors, no, all the other characters in, in Sorcerer's Stone 
had their actors, had their actresses. They were ready to go. Literally, Harry Potter was the only character left to cast. And he was the he was the main character. They needed to find the right actor to play Harry Potter to officially get the movie off the ground. Eventually, Chris stumbles upon a movie called David Copperfield, which Daniel played the lead character. Obviously, he was very interested in this kid, so he brought him in for an audition for Harry. Chris loved it. He got the part. He wanted to give him the part, right? The problem with that was Chris had to get past Daniel's father. And I totally understand. Keep in mind, this is a 9, 10, 11 year old. Being Harry Potter means you're going to be Harry Potter for the next six, seven films. This is you're going to grow up like this to one movie. You're going to be locked into one movie for the most part. And also, uh, it's going to make it kind of hard for you to to have other roles in other movies because of scheduling issues. You know, let's say uh, a movie that you think you want to be a part of, you want to audition. You got to keep in mind that the Goblet of Fire is about to go into development. You got to go back to the UK and start filming that. Then you got to go back to America to do your stuff there. And you're so locked into the Harry Potter uh, contract. You got seven movies. You don't have time to take a break. Let's say you want to take a break from acting and just chill out for a while. You really can't. You have to keep the ball rolling at all times. That's a bit much. You know, you're just now starting to get your feet wet with acting. You're not sure if you're going to make it a career and you're about to sign a seven movie contract. That's a lot, especially for a kid. Being in the public eye, having cameras in your face constantly, paparazzi, tabloids, rumors, fame. And uh, since I'm on this on this uh, topic, Emma Watson was thinking about dropping out as Hermione by the time Order of the Phoenix came out. By that time, she she was kind of done with all, with all the fame and all that. Now, I don't know if she was going to drop out of acting entirely, but she was at least done with the Harry Potter stuff. I believe it was Order of the Phoenix. It was definitely one of the later Harry Potter movies. Rupert Grint was having second thoughts about his role as well. He was very serious. Um, Emma was super serious. We almost didn't have Emma Watson as Hermione for the later Harry Potter movies. Okay, I didn't mean to drag that on so long. Let's see. Rupert Grint and Emma Watson were very easy to cast. And that was because these actors literally look identical to what the book describes these characters to look. Very very identical. Ron, from the book, is described as red hair, pale skin, blue eyes, and freckles. Obviously, Rupert doesn't have the blue eyes. But he does have the red hair and pale skin. I don't know about the freckles. Um, But anyway, Rupert, he passes as Ron. Uh, Hermione is described as short and bushy hair. And that's how I would describe 
young Emma Watson. Every everything that how the book describes Hermione is how I would describe Emma Watson at the time. Perfect choice. And then a little bit later on, we do get a three-way conversation with Tom Felton, Matthew Lewis, and Alfred Enoch, you know, Draco Malfoy, Neville, and Dean Thomas. Very quick conversation. They're talking about the past films and, and scenes and everything, which is which is really cool. And then a little bit after that, we do get a conversation with Emma Watson and uh, who plays Hagrid? Uh, Robbie Coltrane. Very lovely conversation. Robbie seems to be sort of a father figure to Emma. Robbie, Robbie, was he on Game of Thrones? Did he play um, Robert Baratheon? Is that the same guy? Hang on. I got Google up right here. Hang on. No. Mark Addy. Mark Addy played Robert Baratheon. I think it's the voice. They have similar voices. Yeah, Robbie and Emma. Next up, we have the Weasleys, a conversation with the Weasleys inside the Weasley house. Not all the actors were present. We do get Bonnie Wright, who plays Jenny, Jenny Weasley. Fred and George, played by Oliver Phillips and James Phillips. We don't get the mother, played by uh, Julie Walters, but we do get the father. Played by Mark Williams. He were there. He was there. How many Weasleys are there? Hmm. Let me see. Eight. Jesus Christ. We got Ron, Molly, Arthur, Jenny, Bill, George, Fred, and Charlie. Okay. Eight Weasleys. You know, going to the bathroom is probably an issue, especially in the morning. You got seven people in front of you. You know, they go through a lot of toilet paper. (laughs) (sighs) All right. After the Weasleys, uh, Lucy's Malfoy, uh, Dolby, Gary Oldman and Daniel Radcliffe have a conversation. And believe it or not, it actually took me a long time to realize Gary Oldman was Sirius Black. I knew who he was at the time. Um, You know, when it comes to Gary Oldman, he really disappears into his roles. I remember watching uh, Mank that came out, was it last year? If I didn't know Gary Oldman was in that movie, I think at some point I would recognize him. But the point is, he is so unrecognizable in his roles. Daniel Radcliffe was 14 years old when he did Prisoner of Azkaban. And that's when the story really started to, it started to get darker with the Dementors. Expecto Patronum! Sirius Black, Professor Lupin, Professor uh, Tirlani, is that her name? The uh, lady with the glasses. You got the grim. It took me a while to 
to realize that was Emma Thompson. I didn't know that. So yeah, Gary Oldman and Daniel Radcliffe. You can't go wrong with Gary Oldman. He did fantastic at Sirius Black. And then we get to the Goblet of Fire. Now, this is going to sound very odd. The Goblet of Fire is what made me watch the first Harry Potter movie. So I was reading the books, but I wasn't watching the movies. That's very odd. I know. At the time, Goblet of Fire, I remember the trailer. That trailer, the CGI at the time, blew me away. And also, the, um, you know, like the story, everything was a little bit more darker, a little bit more theatrical. It was colorful. It really grabbed my attention. And of course, <laughs> the girls. When I was a kid watching Goblet of Fire... I was so blown away. The girls of Harry Potter got so hot. There were so many hot girls in this movie. My goodness. The Bo Battens. Woo! Woo! Do you remember that scene in the Great Hall? Dumbledore is introducing all of the houses for the tournament. Please join me and welcome in the lovely ladies of the Bo Battens Academy and the headmistress, Madame Maxme. And then the door opens up. I tell you, I almost had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I was floored. The girls are walking down the aisle, <sighs> releasing the butterflies. Wow. Lovely ladies, man. Also, Goblet of Fire is when I officially had a crush on, on uh, Emma Watson. I always thought she was kind of cute. When I saw her coming down the stairs in that pink dress, that's that's that was the game changer. That's when I officially had a crush. So Goblet of Fire was the my introduction into the movies, I guess you can say. It made me go back to Sorcerer's Stone and catch myself up. Alright, let's keep it going. What else? Uh the obviously they, they talked about the actors that passed away. And I actually have a list right here. Richard Harris, who played the first Dumbledore. He was the original Dumbledore from Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets. We have Rob Knox, who played Marcus Belby. Um... Half-Blood Prince? Yeah, he was in Half-Blood Half Prince. Next up, we have Richard Griffiths. He played Vernon Dorsley. Dave Legino. He played Fenrir Greyback. Roger Lloyd Peck, who played Barty Crouch Jr. David... Rayal, he played, uh, I can't pronounce it, Elf, Elf, uh, E-L-P-H-I-A-S. His last name is D, as in dog, O-G-E. And of course, Alan Rickman, serious, uh, not serious, but uh, Snape, Alan Rickman. John Hurt, he played Mr. Oliver. 
Mr. Oliver. Oh, yeah. He he gave Harry his first wand in Sorcerer's Stone. Robert Hardy. Cornelius Fudge. He played Cornelius Fudge. Uh, Vern Troyer. Uh, Vern Troyer. Vern Troyer. Yeah. He played Griphook. And uh, Helen McCory, who played Narcissa Malfoy. I think we need to take a moment and truly recognize just how much acting talent is in the Harry Potter movies. There's a lot of talent. And 13 of these actors, I believe it's 13 around that number, are Game of Thrones actors. That's a little fun fact for you if you didn't know. When I was watching Game of Thrones, I began to notice the Harry Potter actors. And I said, like, hang on. Is he from is he from Harry Potter? Is she from Harry Potter? You know, I, then I started to count them. Like, wow, there are quite a few actors from Harry Potter in this show. And I believe the number is 13. I think it's 13. I believe it is. It's around that number. You should look it up. They do touch on the romance between Harry and Jenny. The romance in Harry Potter is kind of weird. Uh, This particular case, Harry and Jenny and then Ron and Hermione. Ron and Hermione. I mean, I can see it happening. Their romantic interest for one another was definitely kind of teased in Goblet of Fire at the Yule Ball. Remember, it became an official thing, I think, in Half-Blood Prince. Ron and Hermione's relationship definitely feels forced. I mean, they definitely had interactions with one another. I wanted more intimate. Well, I don't know, because they're kids. You got to be careful with intimacy. More heavier romantic scenes, I guess you can say. And that's the same thing with Harry and Ginny. They did share a kiss. um, And there were some other things here and there. But the romance sort of came out of nowhere. Jenny always had a crush on Harry. I didn't see Harry and Jenny coming. I did not see this romance coming. J.K. Rowling is aware of the relationship between Ron and Hermione being very rushed. And I have something right here on the computer that reads, Rowling didn't say she regretted pairing Ron and Hermione. She did, however, admit to dropping the ball on the romance and having it seem too rushed. So, Ron and Ron and Hermione was always going to be a thing, but uh, n- not enough, n- not enough explanation, uh, not enough reason why these two characters should be together romantically. If you ask me, Ron and Lavender Brown would have been better. That makes perfect sense. Now, uh, it may not make sense story-wise. You know, if, you, if you've if you seen Half-Blood Prince, which I know you have, there's a, you know, there's conflict with Ron, Hermione, Lavender Brown. I'm talking about character-wise. Character-wise. A character like Ron and a character like Lavender Brown. That makes perfect sense. I don't agree with Harry and Ginny. 
Well, I guess if written properly, in my opinion, Jenny isn't my first choice for Harry. I do see Hermione, if written properly, I do see Hermione and Dean Thomas being together. If Dean had more lines, more character development, I think that makes sense. Uh, who would be better for Harry? I, I don't know. I, I was really digging Cho. Cho, was her name? Cho Chan from Goblet of Fire. That didn't work out. I was really digging her for, for a minute. I don't really see Harry and Ginny. That, that's just me. I can see Ron and Lavender Brown, and I can see Dean Thomas with Hermione. And finally, we get to Deathly Hallows, the Deathly Hallows stuff. I remember seeing this movie in theaters. At the time, I was still a little behind in the books. I think I was on Order of the Phoenix. Deathly Hallows Part 1, especially Part 2, my God, that movie was so shocking. Hogwarts was on fire. People were dying. Chaos and destruction. That entire theater that I was at, whisper quiet. We were shocked throughout that, throughout the entire movie. And we do get a conversation with Matthew Lewis, Neville Longbottom, the real MVP of Deathly Hallows Part 2. Did he level up a what? That guy brought the house down. Neville was playing no games. Not a single game. My boy Neville. And then the last conversation of the reunion, I believe it's the last one, is with Emma Watson and Ron Weasley. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Rupert Grint. Easily the best conversation of this reunion, very emotional. The two actors are talking about how they're reflecting on the past movies and they're talking about how they watched each other grow up. Uh, they have a lot of love for each other, a lot of love for the other actors. And growing up like this is a way to grow up. That That's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. That's a way to grow up. And I like how I like how uh, almost said Ron, I like how Rupert, he told Emma, we're family and we're all and we will always be a part of each other's lives. That was a very that was a very touching moment. That moment was powerful. Emma gave Rupert a hug and. Yeah. Best moment, best conversation. So that's the reunion in a nutshell. Hopefully it comes out on physical media. It'll be nice to own it on 4K. You know, who owns Harry Potter? Warner Brothers? Yeah, Warner Brothers. Uh, and obviously they made a deal with HBO Max. All, all I know is somebody needs to hook us up with a copy of this reunion. On 4K or Blu-ray, Blu-ray and 4K. I kind of feel like reading the Harry Potter books again. I haven't read Sorcerer's Stone since I was a kid. I have all seven books, including the um, the eighth book. So I have all eight. Um, Cursed Child. I have the uh, the illustrated version of Sorcerer's Stone. You know, the bigger book with the pictures, the colorful pictures. I haven't read that one. I, I bought it for collective purposes. I may have to crack that open and give it a read. You know, as a kid, the Harry Potter book, starting off with Sorcerer's Stone, was truly 
I think the first book that I actually enjoyed reading. It was the first book that I actually had fun reading. And I think that's largely due to the fact that J.K. Writing is so unique. The world of Harry Potter is so vivid. Her metaphors are very understandable. The metaphors were definitely a big thing. When I was a kid, I would have problems imagining the story in, in my head as I'm reading. For example, if I'm reading a book that doesn't have pictures when I was a kid, I, I wouldn't know what's going on. The thing about J.K. Rowling, she not only is the story very vivid, her metaphors, let's say you're reading a sentence and you're, and you're not understanding what's being said. But before the period, she'll say something like, as if it was an ice cream cone or as if it was a waterfall. Like, oh, OK, that makes sense. I Now I understand what's going on. <laughs> Very good with the metaphors. Harry Potter made bookstores a lot of money. You remember Borders Books, Borders Bookstore? For those of you who are unaware, Borders Bookstore, I believe, was the number one bookstore chain. I don't know. When I was a kid, that's the only store I knew. I didn't know anything about Barnes & Noble or, or literally anything else. The only thing I knew was Borders Books. After the seventh book, Deathly Hallows, came out, they filed for bankruptcy. Which kind of made sense. That's what, that's what everybody was reading, Harry Potter. That was the book. And when Deathly Hallows came out, boy, was that an incredible time. All of the bookstores were having their midnight releases. It was all over the news. Everybody was talking about Deathly Hallows. J.K. Rowling created Harry Potter at the right time. At the pinnacle of reading. Back in those days, that's when everyone was reading. If Sorcerer's Stone came out today, if that book came out today, I don't think it'll be that popular. The, you know, the story will still be good. But let's face it, people don't read. People don't read. It's not just kids. Adults don't read. I recommend books to everyone. They don't touch it. I can literally recommend the Bible. <laughs> and they will not touch it. They could be Christian, too. They will not touch the Bible. Well, yeah, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get around to it. Yeah, a book of Genesis, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll start it up one day. I want to say that is the end of the episode. If you have not checked out Harry Potter, the 20th anniversary reunion special on HBO Max, I highly, highly recommend you check it out. Thank me later. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank you for tuning in to the Long Live Hollywood podcast. My name is Aaron. Be safe out there. Love each other. Do nice things for each other. And good things will come to you. I promise you. Take care now. Bye-bye.